Today you are going to get an incredible front row seat to the memorable career of 1995 Rugby World Cup champion Chris Rousseau. Chris, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Uh, thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me on the show. Now, just before we get started, let's take a look at this week's trivia question. In 2005, Tondurai Chavanga set a new individual record for tries scored in one test. How many did he score? Now, if you know the answer, you can put it in the comment section down below. And we'll also find out if Chris knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Chris, let's go back to 1995. Tell me, how were you feeling ahead of your debut for the Springboks against Western Samoa? Oh, you know what, Peter, you know, when you um, basically uh, hear that you are a Springbok, first, first thing you, you, you do is you basically, um, that's your dream come true. And then your dream becomes the reality. So one is the dream. Okay, the dream is, yeah, can I play for the box? And then the day actually <laughs> comes closer and closer where you're going to have this intro to become a Springbok and have your first day at the office, you know. So no, it, it was like, I mean, I, I, I remember still, I was in a room with Osli Rand in Midrand. And the morning I was doing a bit of push-ups and, and, and uh, the day or the Friday before he said to me, hey, Chris, man, you should have done this long before. We've, I said, hey, buddy, my first test. I need to be super and ready for it. So yeah, I, I remember that and I was very focused and very, you know, when you get selected, you've got a responsibility to not only play for yourself and then you play for your country and you feel much more um, privileged and uh, uh, I don't know what you say uh, humble basically Chris it was quite a journey for you because about a year before that moment you were probably third at uh, Transvaal as they were still called in those days behind Uli Schmidt and, and James Dalton so to go from third at your province to at least number two in the country what an incredible journey yeah, no, it was an incredible journey. I I don't know what was the reason um, uh, uh, the guys had a faith in me. I think um, where I was coming from, from the Bulls, I played for the Bulls um, before, and then um, they selected me in Transvaal those days, or the Lions, and I was then part of the team. And my, my credentials was I, I have played along for the Bulls at Hooker. And uh, at those days, um, the guys coming from Pretoria formed a strong uni uh, unity and also the, the, the Lion guys. And um, it was like the, 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 play, the team to play for, you know. Um, so it was very easy to, to fit into that team. And that team made me good. <laughs> I've never been good, but I mean, to play in a team full of stars, you become a star. So I was lucky. Um, in '95, um, unlucky for Uli Schmidt, was, which was my personal hero in my life. Um, and he was actually changing the whole uh, game of, 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 of hooker play. Um, he was tremendous um, in the way he played. So then he got an injury, he couldn't play. I mean, you can imagine, he was a number one hooker, he couldn't play. And then, yeah, then I got selected uh, out of nowhere. Uh, my brother also played that uh, day when they announced the teams, and he is Charles Rousseau. So when they announced the teams, they said C. Rousseau, but he came out at the hooker position. So then we thought, wow, um, it's Charles, well done, you know, and he played for the Lions that day and he did well. And they said, no, no, it's not Charles, it's, it's you, it's Chris. Said, wow, I mean, how could this be? 
So yeah, so I was, uh, you know, it shows you that uh, must always be ready, and if the ball hops in your uh, hands, then you've got to take the opportunity. Absolutely. So, Chris, I've heard from some of the Springboks that have been on this show that those pre-World Cup training camps were torture. How would you describe them? <laughs> yeah, I think there's a very famous photo uh, which made, you know, if you've got pretty boys in your team, like uh, Andre Joubert and James Small and, and Jules van der Westhuizen, and they've got the six-pack uh, stomachs and they're running with our clothes and we've been training so hard and we're so tired and and um, but then then they can run with, without their shirts and they look well and then all the girls likes us and so they're promoting us you know um, no we train very hard I mean um, in in the amateur era I don't think it's the same same today I think the guys are probably you know we can't play those big guys today in in that amateur era of mine but for for the for the time that we were playing we were quite fit and we we trained. In fact, we trained to to accept that we have to play over over our, our uh, normal eighty minutes. We have to play for hundred minutes. So we trained for hundred minutes. So I must say, when you have a, if I look at how, how the local Irish playing and Rassi and the guys how they get coached, you know, coaching have evolved a lot. And our, our coach at those years had the foresight, which were kids Christie, to train for. You know, make it extra extra tough. You know, and but I'm sure everybody prepares well for a World Cup. But we we felt that we trained harder. <laughs> anyway, your first match at the World Cup was against Romania. I think going into that match, a lot of people expected that we would win by a large margin. But we actually struggled to get going against them. What was it about them that was so tough? Yeah, you know, I, I always thought myself, I could just struggle. You know, now I, I want to. Uh, become the number one hooker, and now we we're playing a game and we're struggling the bloody game, you know. And um, yes, it doesn't uh, you know it doesn't help me to get into the team if if you don't play well and you know nothing works well, you know. But I think we put so much emphasis on our first game, which were with the World Cup uh, Australia with the World Champs, and we've beaten them in. Um, you know, in in uh, Newlands, and uh, I think for winning those, you know, we was like I said, amateurs. I think to to it drained us so much. Maybe maybe we didn't focus so too much on on, on Romania, you know. So, and if you look at Romania those years, I mean, to be honest, it's like almost like South Africa now got two teams to 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 to, pre to represent us in the World Cup. Then we basically playing these Romanians for them to win, to beat us, you know, always to beat the, the better guy. But we should have beaten them by big margin. And it was just those things of the South African mentality. Give us the big games and we perform. Give us the bad games and we don't perform, you know. So that's typical us, you know. Indeed. Now, after that Romania match, we came up against Canada and we all know about the Battle of Butte Rasmus and the, the, the sightings and the sendings off. And at that stage, I know that Kitch Christie wanted to call up John Allen, but he was injured. And so Narka Drotsky was called up instead. Was it clear to you at that stage that you were going to be the number one hooker for the rest of the tournament? You know what? Um, uh, there wasn't any certainties. You know, there wasn't any certainties. I think uh, nobody comes to you and says to you, this is certain that you're going to play. 
But what I think is, um, uh, you know, in, in fact, I always knew about John Allen, but I never ever asked him until I, I read about it the other day where he said that um, they called him. And then he played that match and then he sticked in the match where he was playing and he teared his calf muscle. You know, the last five minutes of that game. So, <laughs> to be honest, Peter, I don't know, um, maybe my, my, the gods were with me. I don't know why uh, I'll put John Allen now. He, I mean, he was astute. He was an experienced guy. He, in fact, he had test experience, played for Scotland. So he could have been, you know, and he would have been definitely um, the man in, in, in the saddle, you know. But then his car was dead. Okay, so it left me and Naka Drotsky. Um, you know, so, yeah, so it was a battle between me and Naka. I think for my advantage, because I played in Transvaal and, and for the Lions, those guys were more comfortable or more, uh, we played together more. And that made a bit of an edge for me. The Naka, although Naka was the number one in Free State, I was the number two at uh, uh, Lions that, that, those years. But I have played before them at the Bulls, you know, and I played a few provincial games at the Bulls. Um, so I also got to add a pedigree, although number two in Transvaal wasn't. Like I was playing my first um, introduction into Karaka Brackby, you know, I had two seasons at the Bulls that I played. But I haven't, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have, I think, lifted John Allen. John Allen was definitely more experienced. Talk to me a little bit about your relationship with Kitch Christie. Yeah, so you can imagine how he must have loved me or um, trusted me and um, and put somebody to put his trust in you. Uh, he's, uh, he called me and said, Chris, now you, James is now, look, James wasn't officially out yet. It was in an, it was, there was a court case and he had to, they had to go there. So I, I thought I, I could play, but then they mentioned about all these guys that they want to bring in and yeah, you, you're not sure. You know? And then um, those weeks before, you know, it was like, will he come back? You know, when they come back and eventually they got suspended. And then kids, you know, called me and said, Chris, you've got to take the responsibility. And that's what I like about some of my mentor coaches, which he was definitely one of them. And when he said, Chris, um, you know, we need your, um, we need to put you, give you this, this uh, responsibility. You need to, to take it and uh, have the confidence that I'm backing you. Because, you know, you must understand, the coach must not select you as number one. Then he's not dependent on me. But then he's giving me his whole, like, uh, faith in me. I said, Chris, I'm believing in you. Yeah, so that's a, the, the way that he did it. Made you a commitment to yourself. You know, so I think it's a more a psychology game that you have to commit to yourself to, to not disappoint this uh, coach of mine, this mentor of mine's trust. And the way that he did it is so true and so respectful that... You know, it's actually, if you get, have a right coach, you know, then somebody can will die, you know, because you put your body on the line. You know, my neck is still today broken for those heat in the scrums, but, it, it, you know, that's what you do. If a coach motivates you, that's what you play for, your coach and your, your teammates, and that's what rugby is about. So, yeah, he, he put faith in me. He put his trust in me. And then the guilt was on me not to disappoint him. You know, and so, yeah, well done to him. Having the foresight or the trust in me and the belief in me. 
hey if you're enjoying this video why not consider becoming a patron it's my dream guys to do this full time and with a small financial contribution you can help me realize that dream the link and the QR code is appearing on your screen right now and I'll also put it down in the description area for you to go and click on at a later stage if you would like to do so. And by becoming a patron, I promise there will be great benefits for members. Now let's get back to the interview. Chris, I have to ask you, in the quarterfinal against Western Samoa, you scored a try in that match. You also scored a try against the same opponent on your test debut. Was there a part of you that was thinking, I would like to play against these guys every time? <laughs> I think, I think um, uh, because it was my first test against the, the Samoans, we were supposed to beat them, okay, uh, the, the warm-up game. So we relaxed and we play and it's new guys playing now and... Um, uh, so for me, it was like I wanted to uh, to show that I can play in the game, and because you don't want to disappoint people. Once you step into a Billy Schmidt's um, shoes and a James Dalton at that stage, you also want to have get the, earn the respect from the from the people and from for yourself. So I don't know. Samoa, it was probably just like I I wanted to be there for the last pass. I used to be a flanker and I used to be quite fast over the pitch. I wanted to get that last pass and I got it, you know, in, against Samoa, the first test. And then the quarterfinals, the, the same thing, when they passed me the ball, you know, I, they, they kicked the ball, but I, I just had to run. And I thought, man, let me just run over these hopes because I wanted to, 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 to score because then, then comes this, the, the quarterfinals. That becomes um, quite important and the whole country now focus on you now I want to show that really I will step I make the step up you know? but I was lucky because you know we are 15 guys that can tip the ball to anybody it fell in my hands I can still remember <laughs> I was just I don't think the ball would have been to stop me then you know? so yeah lucky two tries against Samoa my, my two games against him you know? that's a great story uh, Chris Leading into the Rugby World Cup final that year, the week leading in, how nervous were you? The hype on the public is much more than the hype in the camp. In the camp, it's, it's, it's another day, it's another game, it's another preparation, it's another structure. And uh, Kitsch was very clever. They took us away and uh, afterwards we heard that, uh, you know, they phoned our families, please don't speak to them about newspapers. And so we were kind of you know, cut off from the outside world. So especially the final, uh, we went to Sun City. I don't know why Sun City. We went to Sun City because it was quiet there. And when we trained, was totally, there's no photographers, nobody. So we were taken away. And, and, and when we came back, it was only the, I think it was a Thursday or so before the final. So we were, I don't know, the hyper, but normally there's newspapers on, on, the, on the doors for the, for the hotel. There was nothing on our doors. But I, I saw, I got um, some of the news. It's on, the, on the one floor where the rugby place didn't stay. I got off on the, the wrong floor. And I said, it's all newspapers. <laughs> but, but there's no, no newspapers on our floors. So that's the only way um, we could. And then the cell phones were just out. I mean, the, the Motorola was as big as, it's, it's like a, a big thing. And it's like a bread, a loaf of bread. And um, so we didn't. Speak to myself, people, and we were, we were kind of isolated. And uh, yeah, I think we were very relaxed, and uh, we didn't realize that. You know, I, the, I spoke to my dad, my my mother sometimes, and, and they said, "How's it going with Andre Jubert?" 
I said, oh, why? Because, I mean, he's eating every day. He's here around us. And um, no, no, his hand, it's broken. Sure. I didn't know his hand is broken. So I heard from, <laughs> from, from the people that Andrew's hand is broken. So we don't, they didn't make a fuss. They didn't play the media to control the, the emotions of, of our team and ourselves. But the closer it got, obviously information leaks out and guys, you know, scared. Um, there's a lot of stories I can tell you about, you know, how we prepared beforehand. But the one thing I, I wanted to tell you was um, as it gets closer and closer to the game, then, then, then you start, you know, picking up different things, especially the, the, the one thing. If you allow me, if I can carry on. Okay. They, um, uh, Kids Christie's final, uh, okay, first we saw our, uh, normally the structure, we see the opponents and we um, look at, uh, we look at all their weaknesses, we do a SWOT analysis on them. In, um, our coach came in and Jonah Loma just ran out of, over Michael Cat a hundred times. I don't think Michael Cat made some souls the whole, the whole game. And now we have to play against this monster of a Jonah Lomo. Which is, his, his legs is like tractor tire. Now that we look at him, our coach came in and said, no, this guy is beatable. And he didn't even pay a lot of attention to, to, to the fact that he, they were demolishing him in the, in the semifinals. And it wasn't disrespectful, but he wasn't really putting that emphasis on, 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 on Jonah Lomo. He said, no, no, we must be careful. But this guy is beatable, you know. And he stood up and he walked out. And he didn't pay respect uh, for us to look at the game like normally, you know, we look at the game and other oh, guys are kicking and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we look at phrases of the game where they're good and scrum and lineups. No, nothing. Coach is gone. So, yeah. Sitting is okay. Let's, let's look further. So we looked through the game. But that gave us a kind of, a, he planted the seed, you know, gave us a kind of confidence. Say, no, no, we've got a plan. And it's okay, look at it, but we've got a plan. So um, afterwards, um, probably I can't say what the plan were, but, um, you know, then the afterwards, we, okay, let me, they said, you know, a big guy. Don't like to pick a ball up when it's turning his back to the enemy. So we have to keep the ball just behind him. And then we've got to be on top of him. <laughs> so that if he gets the ball, you know, you have to turn around first and face us. And then we just will tackle him here from all sides. So um, that was our game plan. But I don't think we ever did it because we were so focused on, on whatever uh, to, to just play and make him a normal person. And don't worry about one individual, you know, that, uh, that actually we were so fired up we've got a plan we never used the plan probably but we've got a plan now that's wonderful chris thanks for sharing that uh, tell me what does it feel like when the referee blows the final whistle and you are a rugby world champion yeah look i, I uh, Peter, if i can get that uh, emotion back again you know it's it's, it's a very uh, i don't know it's a very defined emotion yeah you're working for weeks country the hype, the people in the stadium, airplane flying over the stadium. Um, you know, you we watch what's happening. We thought it's a bomb because of, you know, just coming out of out of our elections and our apartheid, and and uh, we didn't know what's going on. Uh, suddenly, it's airplane going over, and the hype it's in the people, and you can see the hope. But 
the end whistle blows. So what must you do? Must you jump? We're so happy. We ran. We want. We grab each other, um, and then suddenly a humbleness falls over you. Uh, and we are uh, Christians, and we then don't know what to do because we're ecstatic. Our captain went on his knees. Uh, it's, he was just like, and then we, we all got together and saying thank you. I mean, what what you know for these weeks and building up and put your body on the line and worked hard. Now you're happy. You're the champion. Now eh? you're the champion. So now you want to run, and, uh, but you also are humble. You, you don't know. Yo, that mix of emotions. You know, some guys crying, some guys laughing, some guys cheering. You know, yes, where are you? So, um, uh, you know, from we all went down. Then I think that that gave us a bit of uh, focus again to say a prayer and just thanks for 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 um, not for winning, but thanks for for us just finishing this game. Thanks for giving. Giving us, taking us through the game, and we just actually pay a tribute on our humbleness. And um, yeah, the game is a bit of sense at that stage. And um, we're greeting obviously the All Blacks. It wasn't really nice for them at that stage because you're happy, you want to laugh. Say thank you for the game and we're laughing, but hey, they don't, they're not in a laughing spirit. <laughs> they don't want to laugh, they want to shake their hands. And um, yeah, but anyway, so it's, that's a, that, that emotion you're jumping, happy, crying. Shout! Uh, it, it, it's just emotion. I, 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 um, I can still feel it today. You know? That's amazing, Chris. You were then out of the picture for four years. You only returned in 1999 during the Tri Nations, just before the 99 World Cup. How good was it to be back? Yo, um, it was so privileged when uh, Nick Mallet um, selected me, and uh, he, uh, you know, he. Uh, also, you know what? What um, I respect him for giving me the credit. Um, he said he couldn't um, keep me out of the World Cup because I was playing well week in, week out, and I wanted to make a point to get back into the World Cup uh, team. There was a drought for four years uh, due to injuries and also other guys taking the sports up, and you can't come back into the team. And you know, dynamics change. Um, and yeah, what, how nice was that to be in the second World Cup? So then I played my other games, um, my other Bob games. I've got more World Cup games in my life than normal Bob games. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was very nice. The ball didn't up so, so well in my hands. And also for the team. Um, we lost there with a lock and kicking a drop goal. He's not, a, not known as a kicker. It's a verbal kick. kick. <laughs> it's not even a pretty kick. But he got it over, and they won the World Cup. And uh, yeah, so it was such a privilege to be part of that, that squad also. Chris, as you mentioned, most of your matches were actually World Cup games, uh, very few actually outside of the tournament. Let's talk about a youngster growing up, dreaming of playing for the Springboks. And I think that most of those kids think that they will play for five years, for 10 years, play 50 tests, play 100 tests, but maybe it'll be less than 10, as was the case uh, for you. What would your advice be to those kids? Yeah, I think uh, rugby is a very, very, very nice game. Um, I can see it's really growing uh, very fast, and uh, which is a very good thing. Um, rugby is, is uh, you know, it's not guarantee um, that you can, can make it in nowadays. I think guys are super athletes, um, South Africa got fear some locks 
at this moment. So you don't know if you're young, uh, um, how long you're going to be, how tall you're going to be, how fast you're going to be, and how your genetics um, works out. You know, I think um, to become a springbok, it's more, I would say, more luck. Because everybody's good. And if you are playing the right team, and you're having the right maybe games and the right game plan that will suit you, you can get selected. But I'm, I can tell you there are so many people that got the dreams to become a book. And uh, there was a stat out that I think um, of the guys playing um, national colors at school level, primary school, I think it's not even 2% that makes it to, to, to provincial level. And then when you have provincial, it's not... It's a, it's a very slight percentage that will make it through to the box. Uh, I, I think we had stats. We looked at stats some the time. So to become a spring walk, it's really it's really become a odd. It's, you you can't say as a school boy. But the other side of the coin is if you don't train and coming through the systems, getting exposed to it from a young age. Uh, a Pollard played at all school levels and. Becoming the world best, so you get the ball out, you get those guys. When I did think that schoolboys uh, will become, you know, you can see the age gap. I think our average age in '95, age was like 28 years old. I was 25 then. I think now the age is much younger. I think 25 is an old guy currently playing almost. So you can see that from schoolboy, um, you go up, the schoolboy records, Africa's tough. But to become a book, um, and like us, I mean, we played, you become a book and you could stay longer. Book. Nowadays, injuries, impact tackles, um, yeah, you know, you can become the best, uh, you are the best, and you can have a very bad injury. So it's so many things that have to, 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 to be right for you. Um, that I can't say there's no, no guarantees, but obviously, if you don't have the dream, you won't play it, you won't do it. You've got a dream that you can become a book. And you can. Uh, nobody say no. Chris, this is something that my viewers love to know. Who was your toughest opponent? Yeah, I think uh, um, in my life, I had the privilege to play against uh, Sean Fitzpatrick. And I also played against, um, um, I forgot his name for the moment. But anyway, Sean Fitzpatrick was, um, for me personally, a very big privilege to play against. And I think um, being in the World Cup final uh, and playing against him in the World Cup final got to be my personal, my my best, um, my best uh, opponent. Uh, he was a captain. Um, he was he was he, he wanted to win more than any other body in his team. So for me, I'm playing Sean Fitzpatrick probably as as powerful because he was not that young anymore. Probably not the strongest, but, but the most uh, competitive and the most uh, the biggest privilege, anyway, to play against him. He's such an icon even today, and to to be able to play against him in a final would have, was definitely for me the highlight and the toughest opponent in my life. Is there a player at the moment who you would say that you admire? Yeah, look, I admire all the book um, hookers because I'm a hooker. All of them are tough. I really think that they are really my heroes uh, today, um, and the whole book team, you know. Uh, but if I look at, uh, if I can mention one guy that uh, I, I'm glad I'm not playing against, is uh, Malcolm Marks. You know, I'm very glad I'm, I'm not don't have to play against him.
But then Bongi is just as good. good and, and then, um, you know, I think uh, I think I, I think it would have been a privilege to, if I could have played in a team where Malcolm is playing. Because Al is a, is a class hooker. Um, I really think it's really fortunate to have a hooker like him. It's such a pity that he's out of the World Cup. Uh, yeah, so I like the hookers in the team. They're special people. They always make jokes about hookers. But there's no team without a hooker. And all hookers are the same. They are, they are, the, they are, the, they are the, the glue of the team. And you need a hooker. You need always need a hooker. A hooker is the most fearsome guy. And they don't, they don't have the, the least fear. Um, they're always a very different breed. You know, you always, they always put the hookers as the toughest guys. Now, when I'm an old guy, I can feel it, my body. <laughs> but, but when you're young, you don't feel it. You know? Absolutely. Every team needs a hooker. Chris, what are you up to these days? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a farmer. I'm exporting blueberries. We are um, grain farmers in Delmas. And I've got a maize mill. And uh, in, the, in the broader family, my brothers, we they have eggs, uh, chicken uh, eggs that we're distributing. And also on, on the low field, we've got citrus. So we have diverse farming family. Although my brothers are all doctors and we are business people per se. And um, so, yeah, that keeps me busy, keeps me out of mischief. And uh, the blueberries we export, so we, we rugby helped us to open the doors in life to be able to travel to New Zealand and, and Australia and and um, the UK and even even more the guys are traveling much more. There are more unions coming uh, to play uh, rugby. So yeah, we I'm a farmer and um, that's my full time occupation. Yeah. So you said it keeps you out of mischief, Chris. I have to ask you then, is there a particularly funny moment that you can share with us from your time with the Springboks? Sure. We always had the, you know, always, always got jokers in the team. And uh, I always remember, and it's a story that used to be told a lot of times, but at a state of Rudolf Strauli, he, um, uh, I had a Mark Andrews bed. Mark is also like a very focused guy. And they went out and they bought one of the snooks, you know, and, uh, and they put the snook in his bed. And when he came back the night and they opened it, <laughs> it was such a laugh for us. And um, it was a funny moment in, in our, um, I, I, you know, it's in, always we, we refer back to that. So Mark, when he woke up, and he, he uh, snook was here next to him. Or, or yeah, I think they put the snook behind him while I was sleeping. You know, and we, so we always laugh and say, oh, Mark, what happened when you turn around? You see this fish in front of you, you know. Why did you take the fish to, to bed? You know, why did you do this? And Mark, we always had a go at him. But um, he was a very um, fun guy, so he took it as a good uh, joke. And yeah, there's, there's hundreds and millions of, of jokes. I mean, rugby teams are made of guying with people, putting uh, their, their, what do you call it, uh, making jokes out of everybody in situations. You've got to kill time, you know, and time sometimes become bored. And once you're bored, you, you have a go at each other. So you've got to have a, a strong stomach to be a tour player, to tour, go on tour, you know. And, no, rugby is always a uh, yeah, beautiful sport. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. Chris, we're going to finish off by looking again at the trivia question from earlier. In 2005, Tondurai Chavanga set a new individual record for tries scored in one test. How many did he score? Do you know the answer, Chris? I think I know the answer. It was a remarkable uh, moment. That's why I, I, I think I know it. Can I give it? Please do. 
yeah, I think it was five tries that he scored. All right. So, Chris, you know what? You're very close. It was actually six. It was six tries. Yeah. Damn. Was it <laughs> six? Yeah. I know it was not four. Yeah. So, I thought, yeah, I can remember it was, it was six. Eh? Yeah. yeah. It was, it was so elusive that day. We remember, I can remember all the tries that he scored. And, uh, yeah, so the record, he got a nice record there. Chris, let me say, it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today and such a privilege and an honor to listen to some of those stories from the old days. And I really hope that we can have you on again in the future. Thanks for having me, Peter. Good luck on your, on your business. Thank you very much.